1: and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence.
0: To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential
1: for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages
0: of history since the beginning of time.
1: Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people.
0: If you can get people to
1: consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices. To be only in the minds of the men. As you connect the dots between
0: different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The
1: kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United
0: States is not more special than someone born in Mexico.
1: Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. our planet eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half, and the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
0: Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio airing five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero on Ground Zero. Radio and the Aftermath FM app. If you'd like to contact The Secret Teachings, myself directly, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Those are our social media pages only. And our Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekly special this week is $40 for our entire show archive without those outside advertisements, a private RSS feed, a montage archive, and all four of my digital books. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and donate that $40 through PayPal or the Cash app. And that will get you access to all of that. Or if you are interested in just the reading material, I am doing a $20 special. It's $20 and you get access to all four books, digital copies that you can download and take with you. Those are our two Black Friday specials this week. Check out our website, thesecretteachings.info for more information on that. Or email us again, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Com. So as will be the case for Clyde as well on Thursday, I don't believe Clyde is doing a show on Thanksgiving or on Friday. I likewise will not be doing a show Thursday or Friday. So we have tonight, November 22nd, 2022, and we have tomorrow, Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, two different shows uh, that we are going to do before the Thanksgiving break and I wanted to sort of keep things light, keep things playful. Uh, yes, today is the anniversary of John F. Kennedy's assassination, November 2nd, 19, uh, 22nd, rather, 1963. Uh, today is also uh, sort of the, the kickoff. Uh, yesterday, I guess, kicked it off officially, but today's the continued kickoff of the Cyber Monday sales. And Considering what Claude was talking about earlier, I thought we would sort of pick up the conversation, partly here on The Secret Teachings. I did a little bit of research. I wanted to see how much money we spend on Black Friday. I always find that interesting. And reportedly, these are the statistics. For Black Friday and for Cyber Monday, the average consumer spends $500. A lot of money. That is a 12% increase This is an estimate, a 12% increase from last year. And during the holiday weekend, shoppers plan to rely more on credit card payment options. Again, back to what Clyde was discussing earlier on the show tonight about digital currencies and not having paper money. 48% of consumers pay with credit cards for the Black Friday, Cyber Monday, which is virtually all credit cards or debit cards. And other payments include buy now, pay later. So that's 37%. So this is almost every transaction is credit card or buy now, pay later. So basically, everything that we purchase, we're purchasing it. It's one thing to purchase it with physical currency, which is a unit of exchange that doesn't have any value except the value that we agree to. It's another thing to purchase it with a piece of plastic, that has even less value. Uh, that is basically a digit on a computer screen that can go up or down or disappear. Or people at banks like Wells Fargo can manipulate it, play around with it, steal it, delete it. You know, remember that whole Wells Fargo scandal where they were making up uh, insurance. Uh, they were, they, I think, they were signing people up for insurance. They were taking money out of one account, putting it into another account so that it looks like they were opening up all these new accounts so they would get credit for it and they'd get kickback or something from the company. And it was all top-down, just a big scam, big con. So 48% and 37%. So what's that? 78%. That is 85%. That leaves 15%, I'd assume, debit cards and maybe people pay with cash. Not a lot of people pay with cash anymore. I guess that's kind of the point here. Uh, in search of deals and promotions, which usually aren't deals and promotions, shoppers spend half of their holiday budgets over this Black Friday, Cyber Monday week. Eight out of ten shoppers plan to shop during this week. That's up 9% from last year. And again, those shoppers spend on average about $500 give or take. It's between 400 to $500, which is a lot of money. Now, I mean, I guess if you can get all your Christmas shopping out of the way, then you can save a few dollars, get it out of the way about a month ahead of time. That's great. But again, it's a lot of money. And I think once again, we need to, as we did last night, or at least we tried to do last night, we, we flipped the Thanksgiving bird, talked a little bit about Twitter and the ungratefulness and the arrogance and the conceit of some of the people that work at Twitter or worked at Twitter, past tense now, how because they can't censor information, they can't be the arbiters of truth. It had people vomiting in trash cans and needing therapy assistance and having panic attacks because they, they can't control the flow of information. And people that panic because they, they have to pay for their lunch now, right? People that if they choose to leave, they get a severance package that is basically worth more than what I make in an, ent- an entire year work- working full time here on radio. You know, people just, we aren't that grateful and we aren't that um, respectful. We're not that able, apparently, to realize that we have it really good here in the United States. And it's usually the upper middle class or the very wealthy, especially the young, particularly people working at companies like Twitter, that, get everything they've ever wanted and they get this immense unwarranted political power. And yet they want to tell the rest of us how to live and the rest of us, how to, how to, you know, how to be grateful for what we, you know, or to rather not even be grateful to be, to be disgusted by the things that we should be be grateful for, to be disgusted by our quote privilege. It's really disgusting when wealthy and powerful people tell us how to live our lives in the name of equality and things like that. So, I think we need to recognize, as I said last night, that we have a very good life as Americans. And even if you're not in America, even if you're listening around the world, you probably live in a place where you've got it better than most places on planet Earth. I mean, if you live in, say, Australia, it's not great in Australia from what I hear. Some of the harshest authoritarian responses to the pandemic, but still better than living in communist China. That doesn't mean we should acquiesce and we should be happy with the way that things are run in our states or in our countries, but we should try to put it into perspective and try to recognize what the difference could be if we were somewhere else. I mean, that's kind of the whole point Uh, of giving thanks, you know, the, the traditional idea of being happy with family and friends and happy with food and all these types of things. That's what our Thanksgiving is all about, or at least that's what it's supposed to be about. Now, obviously, there are different definitions of Thanksgiving. And when you break the word down, it's Thanksgiving. It's a giving of thanks and a giving of thanks to what? Well, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your friends, but it's particularly to The earth, it's particularly to the the gods of agriculture, because you have this abundance, this cornucopia of plenty, and you're going to give thanks by feasting in honor uh, of the earth and feasting in honor of the gods or the goddesses, etc. And I think that, you know, we talk about things like Christmas and people say, well, Jesus has been taken out of Christmas. And it's true to some extent, but, you know, there's a lot more to the story than that. Same kind of a thing with Thanksgiving. I think even focusing on family and friends and getting together and having a meal and talking and it doesn't have to be like Christmas. It doesn't have to be about presents. It doesn't have to be about having, you know, 10 different pie options. Actually, you know, it does actually have to do with those things that that is what Thanksgiving is about. Thanksgiving really. Sure, it is about family. It's about friends but it is also about having those 10 different types of pies. It is also about having so much food that everybody takes some home and you have leftovers for days and days and days. That is what Thanksgiving is all about. And Thanksgiving, like I said last night, I didn't write this in my book, Occult Arcana. I have a section on all the holidays, uh, major holidays, uh, not just us holidays, but around the world. And I, I don't, I didn't write it in the book, but I'm, I think that, Givings of thanks as we know them today are not just agricultural in nature. Giving of thanks in some capacity goes back to the earliest and very likely before the earliest recorded human civilization. And we're talking perhaps eight, nine, 10, 15,000 years ago, you know, that, that people were giving thanks to the gods by sacrificing flowers or whatever, whatever thing they had an abundance of. That's what thanksgiving is really about. Thanksgiving is about recognizing our abundance, recognizing the cornucopia of plenty, and then giving thanks for that plenty, giving thanks for that bounty, giving thanks for that harvest. It's not necessarily about family and friends. It is. You're going to share with the abundance, right? You're going to share that with family and friends. But family and friends are secondary to what Thanksgiving is really about. Thanksgiving is truly about if you parallel it to Christmas, Christmas is not about presents and gifts. Christmas is about giving thanks, like Thanksgiving to the sun god. It's about giving thanks to nature. It's about honoring and respecting nature. That's why you bring the tree or you bring some other type of greenery inside the house, even if it's symbolic. You know, you you exchange and share gifts in the same way that the sun gives you the gift of warmth and light and the days of the week and the days of the month and the days of the year so that you can live and be um, fruitful and you can be you can be successful. The sun gives you a lot of gifts, and that's why we exchange gifts. So the gifts aren't the point of Christmas, but they're an integral component to Christmas, and they're symbolic, just like the Christmas tree. You don't have to have a Christmas tree, but it's symbolic, and Christ is just um, a secondary component to that. In the same way for Thanksgiving, we're we're giving thanks for the same thing. We're giving thanks to nature. We're giving thanks to agriculture, the gods, the goddesses. We're giving, I mean, right now, our gods and goddesses in terms of agriculture are what Publix, Wegmans, Kroger, Albertsons, Safeway, Fry's. (laughs) Those are our gods. We give thanks to them. They provide us with the bounty. They provide us with the cornucopia of plenty. But the point is, We're giving thanks for the abundance. We're not just giving thanks because we're with our families. If that's the tradition you have, that's fine. But the idea of Thanksgiving is to give thanks for a bounty. So when the president of the United States says, if you can't afford things, just buy generic cereal, like generic Raisin Bran. And with other people that work in the federal government telling us, if you can't afford to buy food, just buy Chef Boyardee. We're kind of missing the point. Not only about Thanksgiving, but about what it means to have a functioning economy and a functioning society. We should not be happy with less. As Americans, we should recognize that even having less by our standard means that we still have more than most people around the world. But that shouldn't mean that we become complacent with less. And every year it gets a little less and a little less and a little less until we have very little at all until we're on the same level with everyone else around the world. I hope that makes sense. So if, if we have, you know, a full bounty this year, and then next year we have a bounty that's seventy five percent of what it was, we should still be grateful and thankful, but we shouldn't be complacent with that. We should want the next year to have the same bounty we had this year, a full bounty, you know, just using arbitrary terms here. We shouldn't be complacent with 75% and then the next year drops to 50%. Oh, we still have a lot, but it's a lot less than we used to have. We shouldn't continuously be complacent with that. We should be upset at that. We should be angry about that because there's enough food in the world not only to feed everybody, but for everybody every day to have a feast, three meals a day. There's so much food in the world, we don't know what to do with it. There are distribution issues. There are issues in countries that are run by terrorist groups and warlords, apartheid states and caste systems like India. This is why people don't have access to the food. Otherwise, there is an abundance, there is a cornucopia of food around the world. And this is what Thanksgiving is all about. Christmas is likewise about giving thanks to the sun, giving thanks for the warmth, giving thanks for the light, giving thanks for the days, giving thanks for the opportunity. Thanksgiving, as a festival that we celebrate As a federal holiday in the United States, although it has its history in a series of battles, a series of conflicts, and a series of general days of blessing uh, that are oriented more so in a Christian direction, Thanksgiving as a tradition around the world was always about giving thanks for what you had and particularly giving thanks for the bounty and for the great harvest. So we should not be complacent and I don't care if people spend thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars. I think we spend an obscene amount of money on what amount to silly things. We, we spend you know tens of billions of dollars on Halloween every year collectively in the United States. It's like I think it's up 10 it's like ten billion 11 billion dollars now. I think that's an excessive amount of money, especially because the next year we spend uh, you know pretty much the same amount. In the last two years for Halloween, we spent twenty billion dollars in the United States. That's all, that's that seems like an excessive amount of money. But hey, if people have that money and they want to spend it, I don't care. That's good for them. That's that's a good thing. We, we we should be happy with having, you know, the abundance to be able to have the, the wealth and to buy the things, even if they're stupid things. That's what I want. I want everybody to have that kind of abundance and that, and to have that kind of wealth. And that's what we should be thankful for. We should be thankful that we have so much abundance. In fact, we have so much abundance, we don't even recognize that it's abundance. It's just standard for par for the course for us as Americans. That That's how much abundance we have. We have so much abundance that it's like, you know, the classical first world problem, right? Of the little girl, little boy getting an iPhone. And, you know, the new iPhone is like an iPhone, let's say. Well, what are they up to now? Like, realistically, they're up to like 13, 14, 15, 20. I don't know what they're up to, but it's like, You expect that, but your parents get you an iPhone 8, and you cry about it with like 30 other presents under the tree. That's truly a first world problem, but I don't think that's a joke that we should laugh at against the backdrop of what it means to be an American. I think that's a disgusting thing of a privileged person who doesn't have any context or perspective on the rest of the world, and that's a perspective that needs to change, but yeah, sure. If 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 you're if you're you have the wealth and you have the ability to buy those things, then more power to you. We should be wanting abundance. We should not be complacent with less and less and less and less and less and less until we have nothing. We should be happy. We should be giving thanks that we have what we have now, sure. But we should be desiring to obtain more and more and more. Not material things, but wealth in all of its forms. All of its forms. You know, having an abundance of food. It's not really a material possession. But rather than, for example, I have I have a bunch of articles I want to go through tonight. CNN is saying, just, you know, use less. Just try to have a Thanksgiving that's green. Try to... Use all the parts of the turkey. Don't waste it. I mean, people have always done that. But why are they saying that? Because it's all about climate change. It's all about environmentalism. It's all about making you feel inferior, making you feel as if you need to do the things that CNN or that the World Economic Forum, etc., want you to do to save the world. So you can, you can feel important while you're making your Thanksgiving dinner. I don't think anybody pays attention to in it. I don't think anybody pays attention to the world economic Forum. I don't think anybody pays attention to any of this. I think people just continue to spend money. I think people continue to buy the, um, the excess amounts of food. And I think we continue to do those things. And we also continue to waste a lot of food. I mean, there's certainly something to be said about moderation. There's certainly something to be said about how much we spend. And, um, whether that's excess or not. But these are all little tiny things that can be debated. I'm not a materialist. I don't like owning a lot of things. And I advocate for owning less. But when it comes to society as a whole, if people want to possess a lot, I am a proponent of that. I want you to have an abundance of wealth, and abundance of food, and abundance of happiness in all of its forms. That doesn't have to be because you have a bunch of money. It means that, you have an abundance. It, not that we're always so sad and depressed and anxious and worried, and material possessions can lead to that as well. I just want, if you want to have abundance, I want you to have abundance. I want you to be thankful for that abundance. I want you to see the context of that abundance compared to the rest of the world. I want you to have so much, you don't know what to do with it. But I also want you to understand the context and respect it and give thanks for it. And that's what Thanksgiving It's really all about it's about giving thanks for what we have, but also not being complacent with having less and less and less. We should be thankful for what we have, sure, but we should also desire to have more and more and more abundance in all of its forms. Now, that could be love. That could be family. That could be friends. That could be having enough money so you can buy two TVs this week, whatever it is. Abundance is a good thing. A cornucopia of plenty is a good thing. What's not good is looking at our abundance, looking at whatever it is you define the word privilege to mean, and believing that we should give it all up because other people don't have it. Instead, we should be using our, quote, privilege, we should be using our abundance to help and to assist other people so that they can likewise obtain the same amount of abundance, so that they can obtain the same amount of wealth and more. We should be using abundance and using privilege to assist others in obtaining the same amount rather than getting rid of ours. So there is no privilege, there is no wealth, and everybody is poor, everybody is sad, everybody's depressed, everybody's anxious, everybody's suicidal. That's a really sad and depressing world. And you don't have to be a millionaire to have abundance. I have abundance. I'm kind of a minimalist. I don't like material possessions, but I have an abundance. I have an abundance of knowledge and information. I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books that surround me here in, in, in my studio. I have uh, what I need to do this radio show. I have an abundance. Would I like more? Well, there are certain things I'd like more of and certain things I'd like less of, but it's the idea. It's the concept. I want more abundance. I want more cornucopia of plenty. I, I want to be able to share, whether that's knowledge or it's you know, certain kinds of possessions that other people need, things that help people. I want to be able to share that with other people. That's why I do this radio show. That's at the core of what I am and who I am. And I want you to recognize the perspective and the context to what you have. And if you don't desire more, that's fine. And I'm not talking about material possessions. If you don't desire more wealth and more abundance and all that, that's fine. That's, That's what you desire. You desire less of that. But as a society, as a civilization, I think we should appreciate and respect and give thanks for what we have, but we should also desire more because we should use our privilege and use our wealth to help other people become privileged and wealthy because that benefits everybody. Not giving up what we have so we can be just as poor as the next poorest person. That doesn't make any sense, and I'm not thankful for that. I'm angry about that. I'm thankful for what I have, and I want other people to have as much and far more... Than what I have. That's to me what Thanksgiving is all about. Thanksgiving is truly about abundance. It is about a cornucopia of plenty, particularly food, but also wealth and other things that we should be happy and thankful that we have. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Just our introduction tonight, three more segments on the broadcast. We're going to go through what CNN says is a green Thanksgiving. And then a little bit about the traditions of turkeys and things like that on the broadcast this evening. Trying to keep tonight and tomorrow a little bit light uh, as we uh, round out a and conclude and finish up a short week uh, with the Thanksgiving holiday, Holy Day coming up on Thursday. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's a lot more after this. Visit our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Check out our Black Friday deals and we will be back. Don't go anywhere. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just
1: search Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us.
0: From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio.
1: If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info when you subscribe for a month or a year you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs you can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family with your subscription you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever growing montage archive just visit the secretteachings.info and click on the donate subscribe tab at the top of the page use the secure paypal link and start your membership today by subscribing you
0: So Thanksgiving is about family, it is about friends, but it's also about abundance. It's also about a cornucopia of plenty. And not just food. And not just material wealth. Spiritual wealth as well. Materialism and owning things and having an abundance of gadgets and gizmos opposes reason ...and logic in our search for happiness and success. Materialism, material items do not make us happy. They do not make us successful per se. But having an excess of wealth by any definition... ...and having an excess of food in particular for the giving of thanks... ...is something we need to put into context. It is something that we need to see from a different perspective. We should not be satisfied with less... We should not be happy. We should not be content with buying generic products because we no longer can afford name brand products. I'm not saying buying generic is wrong, but I'm saying when the President of the United States says you should buy generic raisin brand if you can't afford food, then there's something wrong. We should not be complacent. We should not be stagnant. We should not be accepting and happy of having less and less and less and less. And we should not be bullied into thinking that what we have and our, quote, privilege is a negative thing. We should use what we have, we should use our wealth, and we should use our privilege to help other people obtain the same amount of wealth or more, depending on what they desire, and the same amount of uh, privilege. So the same amount of privilege, same amount of wealth, We should be using ours to help other people obtain these things. And a lot of this starts in the mind. Like, I want an abundance of knowledge. I want an abundance of food. I don't like when food is not available at the grocery store. Now, the context and the perspective is there's still a lot of food at the grocery store, but I don't like going to the grocery store and things are out of stock because of supply chain issues. I don't like that. I want there to be an abundance all the time of food which is what we generally experience in Western civilization, as particularly in the United States. I want an abundance of food all the time, not just for Thanksgiving. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that all the time. And I don't think that we should become complacent and stagnant thinking that, well, we have it good, so we can we can lose some of the goodness. We can lose some of the abundance. I don't think that's acceptable. I don't buy it. I don't want to participate in that world. I don't want to be a part of that world. I want to be a part of a world where everybody has an excess. Everybody has so much abundance, they don't know what to do with it. I want other people to have more than me. You know, to me, this is, this is social progress. This, to me, is at least industrial civilization producing more and more and more and more and more. Now there's certainly a debate that can be had about materialism in particular and owning things. They clearly do not make you happy owning physical possessions and not attuning yourself to the laws of nature and to the laws of God and listening to your intuition things that are considered spiritual. There's something to be said and there's a discussion and a debate to be had about these things. I want it to be very clear that I'm not promoting that I want to own a lot of things. That's not what I mean by abundance. I want an abundance of opportunity. I want an abundance of wealth so we can do whatever we choose to do with our wealth. And the more wealth that we have, the less that we actually have to, to, um, to work in order to obtain more wealth to live, the more wealth we have, the less we have to actually work uh, in a traditional uh, sense doesn't mean we don't still do things to keep ourselves busy and productive, but there's different types of work and there's different types of wealth. And I think these are the types of things, the types of ideas uh, that I'm playing around with here on the show tonight, because as we talk about Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, yes, it's about friends and family, but it's also about being thankful for the bountiful harvest. It's about being thankful for the cornucopia of plenty. It's about being thankful for what has been given to us. It's about being thankful for the uh, immense uh, amount of, of stuff that we have food in particular that we have. And this is again, something that we need to put into context And we need to obtain a perspective, we need to form a perspective on this that allows us to realize that no matter how bad things are, at least in the United States, our life is still pretty good. But that doesn't mean we should be complacent with having less. So I looked up some of the numbers. I looked up some of the statistics. Since the economy has never been better, you would think that this will be one of the cheapest and most bountiful Thanksgivings ever. At least that's what the White House says. Turns out that's not necessarily true. Turkey prices have gone up 24%. I don't eat turkey myself, but I can tell you that I went to the grocery store the other day and I heard them talking about frozen turkeys. People were calling in about the turkeys. I didn't know turkey was so expensive. Holy crap. There's a turkey for like $60, $80. I mean, I guess if you're feeding, you know, 15 people, that's not a lot of money. But I just, I never, I, I didn't have that perspective. I didn't realize how expensive turkeys were. Uh, but turkey prices have gone up 24%. Uh, if you're talking about mashed potatoes and butter uh, for making mashed potatoes, or like just regular potatoes and butter making mashed potatoes, uh, that has been a I've uh, seen a 20% increase generally in price. Um, even the price of salads and greens have gone up 9%. Uh, Cranberry sauce is up 18 percent, depending on what it is that what kind of pie you're making. A lot of pies are made with, you know, fruits, right? Cherry pie or blueberry pie, apple pie. Uh, Prices are up between 25 and 75 percent. But don't worry, everything is fine. There are no price increases. That is a right wing Nazi Vladimir Putin conspiracy, folks. None of that exists. Uh, I looked this up, too, because I'm not a meat person. And a lot of you know that. And I also don't like tofu. And I also don't like alternative meats. Uh, I'd say that, generally speaking, you'd be better off eating regular meat, depending on where you get it from, than eating these alternative meat products. I looked up the Tofurky. I ate this one time. This, is, this, thing, this thing is so disgusting. Um, the only thing that's that's good about it is they're using organic soybeans to make the, the actual tofu. That's the only positive. The, the rest of the ingredients are wheat gluten, canola oil, which is one of the most processed, trashy, disgusting oils. And then, although the tofu itself is organic, the soy sauce they put in it is not. So soy sauce and soy flour, which... is genetically modified in the United States. Um, And then they grind up some spices, more oils, calcium, uh, chloride, magnesium chloride. This is what they use to firm the tofu. Uh, It's basically a pile of tofu with non-organic soybeans and lots of oils. Like, you'd be better off just eating eating turkey. This is not a good product. This is not good for you. This is not good for the body. This is disgusting. Uh, this is gross. Uh, and in fact, um, I found a website called consumerfreedom.com and they were comparing the, uh, the differences between like a fake meat and a, um, like, like tofurkey, for example. Um, this is a tofurkey sausage, pretty much what I just said, versus a regular sausage. And a regular sausage is literally vinegar, fennel, black pepper, garlic, lemon juice, rosemary, salt, and water, and then pork. So, I mean, although I don't eat pork, I never really liked pork, that to me is a healthier product than the tofurkey. So, if you're eating the tofurkey because you want to save the environment or because you think that it's better for the environment or it's better for, for your health... I don't know. I think eating Italian sausage might actually be better for you. Now, if you're eating it every day, it's definitely not better for you because the more processed meats you eat, the more likely it is animal proteins, the more likely it is you will have cancer at some point in your life. Animal protein absolutely causes cancer, especially in uh, doses that are, well, much less than what the average American consumes. But part of that is also not because you're eating the meat. Part of that's because 97% of Americans are deficient in fiber. And most people don't even know what the word fiber means. They just think they only need protein. They don't need fiber. That's part of the reason you get colon cancer because you're not eating fiber. It's not cleaning your system out. Your body's unable to process it. So things back up, things rot, things decay. And that's what you get. So my point is you're eating tofurkey for Thanksgiving. Tofurkey is gross. (laughs) Tofurkey, you might as well just eat the turkey. You might as well just eat the real meat, uh, especially if it's only a one time occasion. Although personally, mm, I'm not really a fan of either. I'll just stick with the vegetables. I'll stick with the mashed potatoes. I'll stick with, you know, with these kinds of things. So I thought that was interesting. I wanted to share that with you. Uh, Also, the the topics that you're not supposed to talk about with family at Thanksgiving. These are the, the main ones. You know, the main ones. I just I saw this list. Politics shouldn't be talking about politics. Shouldn't be talking about religion. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about money. Shouldn't talk about money. Uh, don't talk about family drama and gossip. Now that's always fun, right? Because you get the you get the segments of the family that break up. You know, the uncle goes in one room and they start talking about you know someone in the other room, and you get, so you're not supposed to do that. Um, you're also not supposed to talk about these other things: abortion, gun control, and dietary preferences. I don't know. I feel like. A family that is well adjusted and well adapted, I've always disagreed on this point, a family that is well adjusted and well adapted should be able to talk about these things. I'm not saying they should be the focal point of the conversation. I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, I am sure I'm not. I'm not saying I don't don't agree that like you're sitting at the Thanksgiving table and you say pass the gravy. Oh, and by the way, what do you think about abortion? I'm not saying that's what the conversation should be. I just think, and this has nothing to do with Thanksgiving even, I just think that families that are well-adjusted, families that are reasonable, families that are not mentally handicapped uh, should be able to talk about these things. These are important things. You should be able to talk about at least one of them you know, I I find that people are not well adjusted to social interaction when you cannot have a discussion without people getting angry and upset. And likewise, this is my theory on dating too. If you're dating somebody and you go on a first date, you know, I'm not saying the first thing you bring up is like, "So, what do you think about abortion? What do you think about guns?" I'm not saying that. I'm not even saying abortion and guns are the topics that you know should be discussed. I'm simply saying when we have all these things socially. Uh, that we should or shouldn't say uh, based on what is considered acceptable by some arbitrary standard. I find that to be weird. I find that to be just strange and bizarre. Like if you're dating somebody, especially if you're on a second or third date, like these are important things (laughs) that you're going to need to discuss at some point anyway. At some point, guns are probably going to come up. At some point, religion is probably going to come up. At some point, politics, they're probably going to come up. At some point, money is probably going to come up. I mean, there are certain things that, yeah, are appropriate and not appropriate. Like, you probably shouldn't start talking about, you know, pornography at the Thanksgiving table. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying there aren't some social lines we don't cross. But I don't think politics, religion, and guns, I don't think that, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think abortion goes into the political discussion. But, you know, I don't think... Uh, you know, dietary preferences. I don't think these things really should be socially restricted at the dining room table, and they certainly shouldn't be restricted when you're dating somebody. You're trying to get to know somebody. You need to know what this person's opinion is on these things. You know, I'm not saying two people with two different religious backgrounds can't get along, but you need to put that out on the table. You know, it's almost as bad as like, you know, uh, I mean, like you have people that go on social uh, media or they go on dating websites like apps and they totally misrepresent who they are. Who does that help? They, they totally misrepresent their physical features with the way that they put filters on their pictures or the way that they post the pictures, the way they take the pictures. How does that help? Like, it's going to come out. If you're if you're 100 pounds overweight, then, yeah, it's it's going to come out that you're 100 pounds overweight. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you expect the person to, to see you for who you are and love you for who you are and be okay with it? Like, the person's going to see that regardless if you trick them into going on a date (laughs) with fake pictures. I don't get why, whether it's dating or it's Thanksgiving, and I'm not going off and digressing here on this point. This is still part of my original point. I don't think that these things are healthy. I don't think that it's healthy to not discuss these things at Thanksgiving dinner or on a date. I mean, I understand that there's a time and place for certain types of things. And I understand that socially... It's probably not a good idea to start off a conversation with, so, uh, Democrat or Republican? And if you're a Democrat, I'm leaving. If you're a Republican, I'm leaving. I don't think that's the way you talk about these things. I think having a conversation about issues or having a conversation about ideas, having a conversation about um, interesting topics, I feel like that is is a healthy thing to do. What's not healthy is being serious or laughing about the idea that, well, you know, it's everybody's driving over to the Thanksgiving dinner, wherever you're having it. Well, you know, don't talk. Don't bring up politics this year. Don't bring up Donald Trump. Don't bring up Joe Biden. Don't. No, don't. No, definitely don't bring up guns, okay? because you know how your grandpa feels about guns. And if you bring up guns, he's going to start talking about guns and that's going to make people uncomfortable. You know how your aunt feels, okay? She's always been uh, you know, a little bit left, and the rest of the family's pretty right, and you don't want your aunt to start off up talking about, you know, her beliefs and her po- just keep it keep it light. And I always wondered, like, what am I supposed to talk about then? There's literally nothing else to talk about. What am I? I don't, I don't care what my cousin is doing in college. I care about things that affect everybody. I care about interesting topics. I don't care, you know, if my my aunt dyed her hair or my grandma you know, started taking another pill. I don't care about these things. What I care about are things that can actually spark intellectual discussion, which is something that should be done when you're having a nice meal. We should be able to discuss and I'm not saying that you have to debate. I'm saying that we should be able to discuss these things. We should be able to bring these things up. We should be able to have a conversation about them and not allow some arbitrary social standard to dictate to us in our homes what we can and can't talk about. I mean that that to me is a, that's a pet peeve of mine. I hated that. When I was a kid, I genuinely despise that. Don't talk about this or that. Don't say this or that. Why? Well, someone's gonna get offended. Well now I'm offended. I'm offended that you're not mature enough. I mean when I was a kid, you know, I'm talking about family members that are 50, 60 years older than me, well, they'll get upset about it if you if you say that. Well, they're 50 or 60 years older than me. What do you mean they're gonna get upset? They haven't learned how to be respectful, they haven't learned how to have a conversation by now. They're, they're in, their, they're in their, 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 I don't know what, they're in their 50s, they're in their 60s. You haven't been able to figure out how to have a conversation without getting upset by that age? Are you kidding me? So this is the kind of thing, you, you, you might say this is the, my philosophy. I don't think we should keep these things off the table. I think we should discuss these things, not because we try to discuss them, but because if they come up, have a discussion about them. You know, if there's that one person at the table who's a climate change, environmentalist nut and everybody's like, don't don't say anything because then they're going to want to discuss it. Well, let's let's have a discussion about it, you know, because if they're sitting there being like, well, if you don't eat that, you, the fact that you're all eating turkey, you know, that's killing the planet. Well, I want to have a discussion with them because we might actually find out that whether it's politics, religion, money, gun control, abortion, dietary preferences or whatever it is, we might actually feel. We might actually find out that we have a lot more in common than we would initially think. If we just stop people from having conversations because it's the social thing to do, it's the right thing to do, come on, it's Thanksgiving, there's football on. I think what's wrong is preventing these conversations from happening. You know, the little looks and the nudges and the leg kicks under the table, that to me stifles, that to me stagnates, that to me limits, that to me prevents. I think we should be able to have a conversation about these things because at the end of the day, if you are all, quote, family and respect each other, then respect each other enough to have a conversation that might be a little bit heated for a second, but you find out you might actually agree at the end of the conversation because that's usually what happens. When people actually discuss and and talk about things, you realize, oh, I see their perspective now. I actually might be able to agree with them And I wouldn't have learned what they thought truly, and I might not have agreed with them a little bit if they had not been willing to have a conversation or I had not been willing to have a conversation. So this to me is, yes, it's a pet peeve. You can tell I'm very passionate about it, but I'm also very, very, very serious. You know, if you want to try to have an abundant Thanksgiving, then don't just focus on the food. Focus on the conversation. That's why you get together with family anyway. Everybody already knows who's getting married and who's going to what college and who's playing what sport and who's having a baby. You know, we already know that kind of stuff. What we don't know is what our uncle or our aunt thinks about this or that. Get to know the people better. Isn't that the whole point? I never understood that. It's like we're supposed to get together with family and, and you know, get to know your relatives better. But I'm not allowed to ask any question that would help me to get to know my relatives better. I'm not allowed to ask questions because that relative doesn't like that relative. Well, too damn bad. If you're uncivilized and you're unable to have a conversation, then leave the Thanksgiving dinner. Well, we don't want to exclude anybody. We're not excluding anybody. They're excluding themselves because they're not mature enough at 60 years old to have a conversation. You know, this is the kind of thing that really, as you can tell, irritates me. It's nonsensical. Nonsensical, especially if you have one of those families where, you know, you've got like, let's say you've got 20 people there and it's only because of two people that nobody else wants to converse. That is ludicrous. If those two people as your family who loves you cannot have a discussion or they can't be in the same room, they can walk out, of course, and they can't deal with what you're talking about, then yes, leave the room or leave the dinner. Oh, we no, you didn't exclude anybody. They excluded themselves because they're not mature enough as freaking adults to have conversations that actually have meaning and they're not secure enough in their own beliefs. Furthermore, they're not secure enough in their own beliefs to be able to even overhear a conversation they don't like. It's pathetic. And if your family's like that and they have to leave or they have to start an argument or a fight over over discussion, then they're not really your family. I don't care about blood relationships. It's nonsense. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about people that are I mean, I'm 31. OK, I'm 31, but I've thought this since I was like 12. I just never understood people that are like 50 years older than me that have to be coddled because somebody said something about guns. They don't. I mean, we never ha- never had that issue in my family. My family's all got guns for the most part. But, you know, politics, you know, because there's always one or two people that have a different view than you, so we should accept them and welcome them in by pretending like they're not different than us, that they don't have different opinions, and just don't talk about it. So then it's really, it's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. I don't, I just don't think that's right. I think that's wrong. Politics, religion, money, gun control, abortion, and dietary—those are the things you're not supposed to talk about over Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm I've looked up like three different websites just to see. What are you not supposed to, what's considered socially unacceptable? What are you not supposed to do during the Thanksgiving Day dinner? It's just I find that to be nonsensical. So let's let's briefly recap our first hour tonight. Thanksgiving is about family. Thanksgiving is about friends. Thanksgiving is also about abundance. Thanksgiving is about having as many pies as you can fit on the counter and as many pies as you can fit into your mouth. That's what Thanksgiving is. You're giving thanks for the giving, the giving of bounty, the giving of plenty, the giving of the cornucopia, the giving of abundance. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. Now, when I say that we should be not only thankful for those things, we should also be thankful for the wealth that allows us to purchase these things and thankful for other things we have that have nothing to do with food we should be thankful for those things, our wealth, et cetera. but we should also see the context and the perspective that we have it really good as Americans. We have it really good largely in Western civilization, and we should not be made complacent, and we should not accept when shots are taken, if you will, at our lifestyles that we've just got too much. We have too much wealth. We have too much food. We have too much of this. We have too much of that. And we should certainly not accept when the president of the United States tells us, if you can't afford things, just buy an electric car or buy generic cereal. That's an insult. If I want to drive a fossil fuel driven car, I'll drive a fossil fuel driven car. You're not going to tell me what I can and can't drive. This isn't North Korea. Besides, electric cars are made with fossil fuels, and they're charged with fossil fuels. I don't know where these people think that they're charged from, what they're charged from. And if I want to buy regular Raisin Bran, I'll buy regular Raisin Bran. That's my decision, not your decision. You're the President of the United States, okay? You're supposed to have discussions with Congress on how to make the country function, You're not supposed to tell us what kind of cereal to buy because you're incompetent or negligent or because what you're doing is intentionally making the rest of us poor. And we should not be willing to concede to the idea that, well, we have so much so we can accept losing a little bit and then losing a little bit more and losing a little bit more until we have nothing. We should not be complacent with that. We should be grateful and thankful for what we have. We should be grateful and thankful for both our wealth and our families and friends, etc., But we should also not be complacent with losing just a little bit and losing just a little bit more and losing just a little bit more. And likewise, we should also not restrict ourselves at the dining room tables. This is my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you disagree with it. There are certain things like, yeah, sure, you might not want to bring those things up immediately. But if they come up in conversation, shouldn't have that kick under the table or that nudge or that eye roll or that look like don't say that. Don't bring that up. I mean, these these people have your you know, you have a family, you've got grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, you know, people that are older than you. Like the, if they're not mature enough to handle a conversation and they're going to get angry at you and they're going to walk out of the room, that's their decision. If they're not mature enough to have a conversation, I I just don't know why we can't talk about things that are important. Otherwise, it's just like, yeah, I know Tim is in is in college and I know that Becky's having a baby. I don't care about those things after I've heard them 50 times i'm ryan gable this is the secret teachings a lot more after this another hour on the broadcast tonight don't go anywhere there's more after this stay with us
1: you are listening to the secret teachings to contact the show to share information and your opinion or give recommendations email rdgable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings or visit the
0: website at www.thesecretteachings.info If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info.
1: If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing montage archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info Dot info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support the Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. Hello, folks this is jordan maxwell and you're listening to the secret teachings excellent shows with your host ryan gable think about your hero
0: when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the follow back to me attention you are tuned into restricted airspace tune out immediately this is the frequency of the secret teachings on ground zero radio Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings that airs Monday through Friday, five nights a week on GroundZero.radio. And after the show, on any radio or podcast player... If you are listening on, say, Apple Podcasts or any other player, please scroll down to the bottom of the app and leave us a review. Tell us and others what you think about the show, why they should listen, etc. Also, if you have the ability, you have a social media page or if you have friends and family, share some information about the show with them. Let them know about what we discuss here on the show, and maybe they'd be interested in listening to the broadcast Monday through Friday. Uh, or in the archive. You can also go to our website, thesecretteachings.info and get our Black Friday special deal. We have two of them, actually, special deals. $20 donation, you get all four of my new books digitally. Or you can get all four of those books digitally, plus access to our ad-free archive for the show, our montages, and a private RSS feed at the discounted price of $40. If you have any questions rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com you can share your login with your friends and family as well and uh, get these books uh, that I've written whether they're digital or if you buy the physical copies as well uh, as a Christmas gift the sooner the better a uh, few people already contacted me about that sooner the better I'll get them out to you as soon as I'm able to and uh, should get there. I don't, I don't know what the cutoff date is, but um, should be able to order books until like the second week of December to make sure that they're there before Christmas. Triple uh, dot the secret teachings dot info. That's www.thesecretteachings.info. dot secret teachings dot So looking at the statistics and going back to what Clyde was talking about earlier tonight, about a cashless society and digital currency about 80 somewhere roughly in that percentile range, but 85% of what we spend on black Friday and cyber Monday is with credit cards or pay later options. 15% of what we spend is I'd assume I don't see that in the statistics. I'd assume this would be cash or perhaps gift cards, which is still digital, or debit, which is still digital, but at least the money's there. Um, So we don't spend a lot of cash. A lot of things are already digital. We've already moved into a digital currency by complacently accepting that we should use credit cards for everything, microchipped credit cards for everything, and now slowly but surely the phasing out of that in favor of other currencies or in favor of, in some places, microchips that are tied to your, quote, bank account, like in Sweden or some other countries that have implemented this at businesses and things like this. So we don't spend a lot of cash. It's already pretty much a cashless society. We're already pretty much living in a cashless society and functioning every day in a cashless society. There are a lot of businesses now that just don't even take cash. Sorry, we have to have a credit card. It's like, wh- why would you want to have a credit card? Don't they charge you for processing credit card payments? Don't you just want the cash? You know, my fiance went to get her hair cut like was that three weeks ago. And she she feels the way I do about this for the most part. Um, we, we both still have credit cards for certain things. Like I'm going to rent a car or, you know, if I'm really out of money, I'll use a credit card for certain things, pay a bill. Um, but she went to get her hair cut. And she wanted to pay, uh, she wanted to pay in cash or something. And they're like, oh, we prefer if you paid in a different way. It's like, don't businesses used to be like, we prefer you to pay in cash. But now this place that she went to get her haircut, we prefer to have it done with a credit card. She's like, D- don't they charge you a processing fee? Well, yeah, but that's just how we prefer it. It's like, so you prefer to be charged by the credit card company? What kind of psychological manipulation, what kind of, of psychological operation, what kind of psychological technique have they used to convince people that they, they'd rather be charged extra than take cash? <laughs> it's just maybe they read that FBI memo that says, you know, cash is uh, a sign of terrorist activity, right? So I think she tried to pay and uh, tried to give the woman a tip. The woman did not want a tip in cash. She wanted it digitally so they could track it. And my fiance told her, "She's like, I'm. I'm trying to help you. I'm giving you this under the table as a tip for doing the service. You don't have to report this. Oh no, I'd rather report it." It's like, what the hell happened to people? <laughs> You'd rather report your under the table cash tips? It's just, it's unbelievable. What kind of psych a psychop has been has been uh, advanced and implemented and it's a very sophisticated one, I, I, I think, because, you know, that's that's an astounding thing. Uh, there is a business I went to the other day that they said they preferred cash. So I might go back there uh, for food on occasion. They, they prefer you to pay with cash. Um, anyway, I'm digressing from the point. We spend a lot of money. And we spend a lot of that money digitally and it doesn't exist. And about 500 bucks each we spend on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, I guess, if you can get a good deal for Christmas, what's the uh, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what I'm, I'm going to get. Uh, one of these uh, high-end teddy bears. You've seen these high-end teddy bears now? Uh, they come with bondage equipment, and uh, the company that is selling these high-end teddy bears, I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it, uh, Balenciaga. Balenciaga, B-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A. They actually left Twitter because Elon Musk bought it. And uh, it turns out this company has been using little tiny children, like really small children, like three years old maybe, to model their bondage teddy bears and, uh, you know, equip with uh, collars and uh, mesh shirts and chains and things like that. And uh, they even put one of these little girls in chains you know, for the photo shoot. And they even have a, in the background, they even have a picture of one of, what was this called? This was, it was a Supreme Court case legalizing simulated, uh, basically simulated child uh, sex and things like that. So that's in the background. This is this is a great company. So I think I wanna, I'm going to go support them by, a, by one of these uh, BDSM dolls. And, uh, you know, they're for kids, though. I got kids modeling the dolls, so what's wrong with that? That's, that's a good way to spend your money. Uh, inflation has caused turkey prices to increase, potato and butter to increase, salads to increase, cranberry sauce and various pie ingredients to increase. Uh, overall, Thanksgiving will cost 13.5% more this year compared to last year, according to market research. That's quite an increase in price, 13.5%, but everything is good. Don't worry about it. Never had a better economy. Uh, The other thing is, for anybody who is interested in perhaps eating an alternative meat for Thanksgiving, I'm not a proponent of alternative meat. I'm also not a proponent of regular meat. I think both are pretty gross. That's my opinion. Uh, I also know that regular meat will, uh, eventually, if you eat enough of it, um, make you very, very sick. However, if you just eat say, a piece of meat that isn't super processed, it's probably better for you than these tofurky products or any other fake meat products. That although they might be made with organic tofu, they're basically just canola oil, other oils, and non-organic soybeans pressed together. It's, it's just a really gross compression of garbage is what it is. Real meat's probably better for you than that. And uh, getting to the main subject in this second hour tonight, um, the premise of the show is basically this. Thanksgiving is about family and friends, but it's also about abundance and a cornucopia of plenty. It's about being thankful, grateful, and happy with what we have, be it very little or be it excess. Materialism as an idea, opposes reason in our search for happiness and success. But having an excess of wealth and food is something we need to put into context. We need to define what exactly is wealth, what exactly is excess. Is it excess to have 10 different pie options for Thanksgiving? Is that harming the planet by having 10 different pies? If you have the money to afford 10 different pies, what's the big deal? I encourage you, if you have the money, get 15 different pies. Get 20 different pies, get three cherry pies, you know, three peach pies, three apple pies, three blueberry pies, and and so on and so forth. Even if you're only having a few people over, get so much food, you don't know what to do with it. Because that's how much food is in the world. So much that we end up throwing most of it out because we don't know what to do with it. So get a bunch of food, get a bunch of pies, get five turkeys. If you can afford it, go for it. Should be thankful and grateful for that. And people that don't have the money to do that, obviously, you can be thankful and grateful for what you have. You have an excess in its own right. In other ways, there's different definitions of excess, like there's different definitions of success. And we shouldn't be complacent and accepting of having less and less and less because we already have plenty for the most part. And we shouldn't be cornered and lectured about our wealth or our abundance and convinced to give it up so we can be poorer like other people. We should use our wealth and abundance to encourage others to obtain the same if they wish. We should use our wealth and abundance and privilege to assist and to help other people. That's kind of partly what the holiday season's all about, right? Getting people together, assisting people. We give family members money that don't make you know, grandma gives the kids money or, you know, family helps each other out with the food. And, you know, that's that's part of the community. That's part of what the holidays are all about but it's also about having abundance and being thankful for that abundance in whatever capacity you have abundance. The other thing is, I don't think we should be silent at the dinner table. You know, we already know who's having a baby. We already know who's in college. We already know that, you know, you know gr- grandma got everybody a nice gift or something. We don't need to discuss these. Things. What we need to be discussing as civilized people are topics that come up. I hate. I know this has been, been happening since the dawn of civilization, I would imagine. Like, you just can't talk about certain things. I find that to be ludicrous, and I'd like to propose a different alternative for this Thanksgiving. You don't go into Thanksgiving dinner and bring up all the no-nos. You don't bring up religion. You don't bring up politics. You don't bring up guns. You don't bring up abortion. You don't bring up dietary preferences. You don't go in with that. You don't go in hot with that. But if something comes up, talk about it. Okay, what's not civil is pretending like there isn't an elephant in the room. What's not civil, what's not kind, is pretending like someone didn't just mutter something out of the corner of their mouth because everybody else is going to be offended. They know they can't say it loud, but they're being defiant, so they kind of whisper it, and nobody wants to touch it or bring it up. That's being uncivil. What's being civil is if a discussion comes up, discussing it. And if people don't like it, go in the other room. And if people don't like it and they want to leave. If they're that uncivilized and they're that immature, let them leave. Oh, but their family. If your family is unable to have a conversation briefly about a passing issue and they get so upset that they leave or they're offended. Well, guess what? You can be offended, too. You can be offended that they left the room. You can be offended that they left the house. You can be offended that they're offended. You know, that's civility, having discussions and not limiting what people can or can't say. Civility is discussing things, debating things. I don't care what the issue is. Okay, we already know enough about the family. And once we're done discussing that, if something else comes up, great, it should come up. I mean, for that matter, it could go either way on the political spectrum. If you've got a cousin who's gay or an uncle or an aunt who's gay, or someone else that you know who's gay, and they're at the Thanksgiving, what's the big deal if that is brought up? If it's brought up, you know, if someone's upset that someone else is gay, what's the big issue? Have a discussion about it. Your family, right? Your friends, right? It's a community, right? Then discuss it rather than letting it kind of gestate and and, and putrefy and rot, because everybody knows what's being what's what's being said internally. Just say it out loud, get it over with. Your family get along and go enjoy the football game, or go enjoy uh, the parade, or go enjoy a nice piece of pie. I, I just that really irritates me. Don't bring these things up. Well, if they come up, I'm going to discuss them. Okay, this is why I don't get invited to, <laughs> to anybody's Thanksgiving dinner. But this is my point, and I'm being very serious about it. We should refuse to be silent at the dinner table and allow. Arbitrary social standards to dictate what we can and cannot say. But I'm also telling you that with the perspective and with the opinion that it needs to be like reasonable. okay? because a lot of times conversations only get stifled because someone says a word or makes a comment that other people don't like or feel uncomfortable with. Well, how do you think it makes that person feel? It makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them feel as if they're not heard. It makes them feel as if they're not part of the family. So I don't know grow a spine, get some balls, have a conversation, get it over with. Okay. Have a piece of pie and shut up. I don't get why this is so difficult to do. You know, I, now personally, my family, I remember my family used to, everybody would talk about everybody else. Okay. So it was like, we couldn't have a discussion together because that was offensive. Someone was going to get upset. Someone was going to get angry. But when you left the room where we would have Thanksgiving up in West Virginia, um, Little town called Teralta, Uh everybody would get to, well, not everybody, some people would get together. Some people were too good to come to dinner. They were too wealthy. So we would get together and, you know, the, people would break up, right? So they'd be breaking up. People would go in the living room, people would go in the kitchen, people would be in like the, my great grandma's kitchen was like two parts. There was like a pantry area, big pantry area. So some people would go in there. Everybody's kind of talking, chit and going on the porch. Everybody's talking about each other, you know. I just never, I never understood that. I was like, well, if you're saying this to me, why don't you just go say it to them? I don't, everybody's just hiding from each other. You know, just say it to the other person and just don't tell me, tell the other person. I, I don't care. That's, that really is a pet peeve of mine. And I really think that that is it's, it is a, it is a civilized thing to just be honest. That's what's civilized. What's not civilized is letting conversations gestate internally because you don't want to bring them up. That's what is uncivilized. All right, now to the, to the, the main, the main, uh, News article I wanted to discuss with you tonight Uh, on the subject of bountiful conversation and bountiful food. CNN published an article a few days ago, and this was on Saturday. This was over the weekend, and they've updated it several times since then. And it says this how to have a low waste, climate friendly Thanksgiving feast. And I really thought this was a strange and interesting Article Because from what I understand, again, and from what I've just explained over the last 60 plus minutes, Thanksgiving is a celebration of having a lot and with a lot comes leftovers with a lot comes leftovers that you give to family, you take to the food bank, etc. I understand the idea of having a low waste Thanksgiving, but that's one of those trendy things. We're going to try to have a low-waste Thanksgiving. And what ends up happening when you try to have a low-waste Thanksgiving? You don't have enough. And then you got to go back to the store. How about you just do what you've always done, have an excess, send people home with food, and donate the rest if you have so much you don't know what else to do with it. To me, that is sharing the abundance and sharing the wealth. Not being like, well, not because I can't afford it, but because I'm supposed to have a climate-friendly Thanksgiving I'm only going to buy one box of stuffing. It might not be enough, but I don't want to have the waste of two cardboard boxes to throw out. This is insanity. This is conditioning us to have less and be happy. This is conditioning us to not celebrate the abundance that we have in Western civilization. This is insane. So let's see what the article says. It says, For most Americans, planning the Thanksgiving menu is easy. It's given that turkey purchased raw, or fully cooked, will be the centerpiece, even if half the guests have gone vegetarian. Certain family-approved sides and desserts are required to avoid a revolt. They try to be funny. And overly generous invitees can be counted on to fill any gap on the table with covered dishes large enough to feed the neighborhood. The hard part is reigning in that bounty. See, this is where the article shifts, and I'm, I'm wondering as I'm reading this, why would you want to reign in the bounty? That's the whole point of Thanksgiving you're giving thanks for the bounty. For those who dread dealing with the aftermath, aftermath FM, aftermath of the feast, almost as much as they look forward to the celebration. uh, According to TV food personality, Christopher Kimball, I don't know who the hell this is. You should quote, make half as many dishes as you think you need. Most of us could trim back our menus a lot and no no one would leave hungry. Well, okay, that's a true statement. You probably could make less and people would still be able to eat a lot. But this is that idea again that we have so much, so let's just not use it so we can feel better about not, quote, wasting food or feel better about the environment. These are those half-truths that have a political angle to them, that have an ideological angle to them. Sure, you could, I don't know, about half as many But you could make less and people still would be full. You might not have as much to take home. You might not have as much to donate. if Some people donate their leftovers to a food bank or something. You might not have as much, but, you know, everybody will be full and happy. To me, that's unacceptable. Because Thanksgiving is about abundance. It's about bounty. It's about having a lot and being thankful for it. It's not about feeling bad for having a lot. It's not about feeling like you're a bad person a bad citizen, a bad person here on planet Earth, that you're damaging the environment. It's not about feeling those things because you have more than one pie or because you have more than one casserole. This is insane. This is ludicrous. This is an ideological and political statement. Just, you could probably go with less and you'd still be happy. True statement, but it's a half-truth. Because if you go with less this year, next year they tell you to go with even less and even less and even less and even less and even less until you're going you're eventually going to a to a food bank to get food to a to a food kitchen soup kitchen this is unacceptable okay this is not civilized this is uncivilizing this is unraveling civilization how dare you have five pies how dare you have an apple pie a blueberry pie a cherry pie a peach pie and whatever other pie pumpkin pie Sweet potato pie. How dare you have that many pies? You could have half that many pies and everybody would still be happy. Sure, but why would I do that if I have the money or if I have the know-how to get the ingredients to make these pies? Why would I want to have less options? I don't understand that. Why would I? Because it's a waste. It's not a waste if I eat it. It's not a waste if others take it home and eat it. It's not a waste if you donate it to people that need food. How, how is it a waste to buy food, a lot of food, and then cook it all, and then eat it, and then take some home, and then eat it again, and then maybe you throw a few scraps out, which is the case whether you make fifty dishes or twenty-five dishes, half as many dishes, or you, you know you you end up donating some of that food. What what is the difference? You you you're probably going to use about the same amount or rather throw out about the same amount, you're going to use as much in compost, you're going to use as much throwing it in the garbage can, regardless of how much you make. So what's I don't understand what the idea here is. The idea is just make less, be happy with less, own nothing and be happy. Is that what the, the idea is? If I'm not buying the food, okay, there's an economic principle here, right? If I'm not buying the food and nobody else is buying the food, then there isn't going to be as much available because no one's going to produce it because nobody wants to buy it. Okay, I understand that concept. That's part of the idea of conditioning us to have less and demand less so we can be complacent, stagnant, and happy with owning nothing. So I understand where that's, that idea is coming from. But at the same time, like culturally, there is an abundance of food. So we have access to this food. If I don't buy it and nobody else buys it, it's going to go to waste. So we could waste the whole entire product or we could waste, quote unquote, part of the product because we're going to eat 90 percent of it. If it's already produced, why not just buy it and eat it? And if you don't have, you know, the stomach room to eat it, donate it or give it away. And if you don't do that and you throw it in the trash, at least you ate, you know, a percentage of what would have otherwise gone into the garbage can hole. Uh, we talked with Frank from quite frankly about this. Was it a month ago, a little under a month ago about the protesters throwing the oil paint or the soup with the cans with the oil uh, etc on paintings they thought was made of they thought were made of fossil fuels when they weren't they were actually made of plant oils and this has happened a couple times since then and at the same time this was really you know starting to happen in the news there was this story about people that were protesting milk and cheese and meat and they were smashing you know cheese counters and destroying the cheese and pouring the milk out and I just sat there looking at these videos and then I said it on the show, Frank and I were talking about it. I said, hold on a second. Okay. I said, what is happening here is hypocrisy. You you don't like animal products, but then these are products that are already made. So rather than, I don't know if you're going to be a criminal stealing them and giving them to people that need them, you just destroy perfectly good food pour out perfectly good milk. Like, I hate milk, personally. I think milk is one of the most disgusting things that people consume. I also think cheese is really gross, and I also think meat is really gross. But I wouldn't smash them. If I didn't like them and I was going to commit an act of protest, I would take them and give them to people who needed them. I wouldn't pour out the milk, smash the cheese, and destroy the meat. That's insane. And that's what CNN is suggesting we do with our Thanksgiving dinners. Just don't make as much food. OK, but the food is available. So if, if we all agree, let's not make as much food. There's a ton of food still available. So it's just going to be wasted in whole. So if I buy it and I eat a little bit of it and other people eat a little bit of it, then it's going to at least get partially used. It, it, it's like trying to explain to a communist why a product in one part of the country costs more than a product in another part of the country. Why can't it cost the same? Be, be, because you, 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 you brain dead moron. Um, There are different costs involved in shipping the product and also, you know, what price margin the store is trying to get out of that product. Um, There are different reasons why things cost, even though they're the same thing, cost different prices in different places. Is that really a a complicated thing to understand? It's like trying to convince, convince a communist that products cost more in some places or less in other places because of shipping, distribution, and what the margin is that they're trying to get at the store. And then it's like you're being told by CNN, don't make as much food because it's a waste. Well, if I don't make the food and every everybody else decides let's not make the, the amount, same amount of food, what's going to happen? All that food that's already been made is just going to go to waste. It's like smashing milk jugs and meat and cheese because you're protesting in favor of climate change or against climate change or you hate cheese. I don't know what it is, but those are products that are already made, you know. If you're going to do something criminal, steal them and give them to people in need. Don't destroy perfectly good products. Don't waste perfectly good products. It doesn't make any sense. You know, now, if next year we agree we don't want this many, this many things and the stores don't have those many things available because they're not produced, that's a different situation, but. We should not be complacent and wanting and desiring that we should be happy with what we have, thankful for what we have, but we should be demanding more excess, more and more and more and more, because that's what exists in the world. And the more we have, the more that can be, the more that we have access to, the more that can be distributed to others. That's what people do on Thanksgiving. That's what people do on Christmas. They're kind and they're nice and they donate presents and they donate food and they help other people. If we have this mindset all the time and not just during the holidays, we could be better citizens and we can help people in need. I don't understand the idea of just accepting complacently less and less and less and less. To me, this is totally unacceptable. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. We're going to go more into that article when we come back from break. There's a lot more after this. Don't go anywhere.
1: You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at
0: yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. If you're looking for a great gift that keeps on giving this year, check out one of my four books for the holiday season. Occult Arcana is a monumental collection of esoteric and occult lore. The technological elixir looks at UFOs, demonology in the music industry, and the soul and spirit in relation to modern technology. Liberty Shrugged, my new book, takes you on a historical journey through the concepts of natural liberty and provides a different angle on the American Revolution. Food Philosophy explores food industry propaganda, advertising tricks, and geoengineering. Get all four books only at thesecretteachings.info in softcover or digital. That's thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this... And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence... (laughs) This is Kev
1: Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan
0: Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the Davidnightshow.com and you're listening to... The secret teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. So we have CNN telling us that we should just make half the amount of food that we normally make for Thanksgiving because, well, you know, we have to save the planet. In fact, the article actually says this, it says making half as many dishes as you think you need could trim back on the menus, but also would allow us to still eat a lot and not be hungry. And that is good advice, not only for the sake of our pocketbooks, but also for the planet. And the article goes on to say this, more than a third of our country's food supply goes uneaten. That's a true statement. Actually, it's more than a third. It's about 40% of the food that we purchase in the United States goes uneaten. We throw it out. In large part, That is things like produce that go bad quickly if you don't use them because they're alive. But it's also products that we stick in the back of the cupboard and we don't really think about them again. And then we find them, you know, a year later and they're very expired. It's a lot of food. And wasted food, according to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, is the single largest category of material clogging municipal uh, landfills. And, of course, as it rots, methane is emitted, and that's a powerful greenhouse, planet-warming gas. Far more potent than carbon dioxide, but, of course, carbon dioxide is the poster child of the climate con. So this is a true statement. We waste a lot of food. So that should make us reassess the situation on the availability of food in general. We have a lot of food in the United States. We import a lot of that food. Other countries, countries in Europe, even countries in the East, even countries like China, they, they, they now, today, have a lot of food. There's an abundance of food. It's not like the 50s during Mao's famine where 45 million people died of starvation intentionally. Uh, they have a lot of food even in places like China. In fact, most of the developed world has an abundance of food. We in the West have, and particularly in the U.S., have so much food we literally don't know what to do with it. We literally just throw it out. It's like that episode of SpongeBob where they make the pretty patties, and they're taking these these uh, uh, these Krabby Patties and they're painting them different colors, and people are buying them because they match their handbags or they match their kilts. And at at the like midpoint of the episode, the, the news rep- this little fish news reporter comes in and interviews SpongeBob and Patrick, and it's like you know. Did you think you'd be so successful? What did you what what what, what were you what, what do you want to do with all the money? And SpongeBob's like, at first we didn't know what to do with the money. First we tried burning it, <laughs> then we tried burying it, and in the end we just decided to give it give it all back. And this little and a fish gets a big bag of money. He's like, I'm getting back in line. I love SpongeBob. Uh, the original SpongeBob's. <laughs> I kind of re- I always reference everything back to SpongeBob. But that's what it's like. We have so much food, we're like, we don't know what to do with the food. We tried burning it, we tried burying it, and in the end, we just decided to throw it out or give it away. That's a good thing, though. This is not a bad problem. This is a good problem. Okay. The bad problem is when we choose to throw it out rather than donate it, or we choose to not recognize how much abundance we have and therefore waste it in the first place. Okay. It's a good problem. like, what would, be a, what would be a really ridiculous, silly example of a good problem? Like, if you had, if you found, like, I don't know, a 50-pound bag of silver coins. Okay, that's good. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of wealth. Um, but it's heavy as hell. Uh, silver's, you know, you, I have some silver, a little bit of silver, and it's really heavy. So it's like a good problem. I have this silver, but it's a pain in the ass to, to, to take anywhere, to transport it. You know, I've had to move with it, and it's just like, it's one of the most dense, heavy things I own outside of like some furniture. It's a bitch, but it's a good problem. I'm glad I have that silver. So it's a good problem to have all this food. What do we do with it? Well, it would be nice if we could maybe donate some of it, be nice if we could give it away, but that's idealistic. I mean, we're losing all this food because we're just, we're forgetting we even have it. That's how much food we have, that's the whole point. This is according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So there are other things that can, that can help us with this excess amount of food. Number one, it's about changing our cultural and social perceptions of food. And number two, not being so afraid, well, to, to throw things out if they're not good, you know, or if they're not up to your standard. I mean, you have a right not to eat that banana because it doesn't have a perfect curvature. Do I find it ridiculous that thousands of pounds of bananas are thrown out because they don't match the market curvature? Absolutely, that's ridiculous. But there's still an excess of bananas on the market, and that's with throwing thousands and thousands of pounds out every year because they don't match some cur- cur- curvature. Uh, 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 whatever, I, f- I forget exactly what the angle is. we we. I was I, were, I used to work in produce and um, I forget what the angle is, but it's like a certain percentage of the banana. If it's off, they they put it in a big pile and get rid of it like that's ridiculous. But even with that, we still have so many bananas. We don't know what to do with them. I have so many bananas right now. I don't know what to do with them. So I peel them and I freeze them and then I blend them into banana ice cream. I just there's so much. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, you go to a store. Uh, the comedian Bill Burr is so absolutely right about this. He's like, don't give me that that BS about eating healthy, being expensive. He's like, it's not. Go to the supermarket. They're throwing the vegetables at you. All right, celery, 75 cents, 10 cents for a banana. And that's literally what it is. Like the last time I went to the store, I bought a bunch of celery for a um, for a chili I was making. The celery literally cost me, literally cost me 75 cents. And I remember that because I remember Hope looked at the receipt. My fiance looked at the receipt and she she said she made the bill burr joke and i said what are you referencing and she said oh what bill burr said about the celery she said our celery literally was 75 cents and and it was organic on top of that and then you know i go to stores and they you know bananas go bad so fast if they get knocked around or depending on the the climate that they're in if it's too hot or too cold and i got like i think i paid like 50 cents the last time i bought a thing of bananas and these were organic bananas because they were going bad. And most stores give you a discount if they're going bad. And they're great if you're going to make banana bread or if you're going to freeze them to make ice cream. So, you know, eating healthy is one thing. But, you know, food, even organic food, it's it's so abundant. We literally don't know what to do with it. So get creative. OK, get creative. Develop a, some context and a perspective on what it means to have this much abundance. This is not for me to tell you how to live. And it's certainly not for other people who are uptight and angry to tell you what you can and can't do with your money and what you can and can't do with your food, particularly CNN. So they're right. We have a lot of excess food. But should we be happy with having less? I want more. I want more food. I want an excess of food. Plus, I'm either going to eat it, someone else is going to eat it, or I'm going to donate it for Thanksgiving. Or what's going to happen is it's just going to sit on the shelf and go to waste at the grocery store. I just don't get this, this mindset. CNN says less is more. Less is more. Don't dress up your vegetables. Keep things simple. Why would I not dress up my vegetables? Personally, I don't like butter. If you want to put a stick of butter into your green beans, put a stick of butter into your green beans. I'm encouraging you to do it. What do you mean, don't don't dress up your vegetables. How is that going to save the planet? I don't I don't understand. Don't, you know, just basic mashed potatoes, okay? Basic vegetables. Don't put anything on them. Why? How does that save the planet? How does me not putting, I don't know, like, what, what do people put in their green beans? Uh, people put bacon bits. They make a casserole, right? Or they put, you know, little fried onions on top or the, or the dried ones you get at the store. Or they put butter like how is not putting dried onions, which onions are dirt cheap, literally dirt cheap. How are not putting onions on top of your green beans going to save the planet? This is the most moronic nonsense, the most ludicrous, insane attempt to control you. To control your lifestyle, to control your wealth and to control your perception and your ability to give thanks, your perception of abundance, your ability to give thanks that I think I've ever seen. It, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Don't don't you put anything on your vegetables. That's going to kill the planet. That's what they say. They also tell you don't. This isn't for me. This is for you because I don't eat turkey. Rather than roast the turkey whole. You don't want to do that. Um, just. It says. Braise the dissected parts. And a few inches of stock with some aromatics. In a high sided roasting pan. Um. You don't. I, I don't even know why they're telling you not to roast the turkey whole. Well, because the oven has to be on. Uh, this way, it says you can remove the tender meat first, and uh, you won't have to waste any of the uh, any of the, uh, the 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 meat or any of the juices. It's like, don't people take the juices from the turkey and use it to make the gravy? I remember my grandma who came from a much my great grandma who came from a much more conservative age. She used everything. They would cook the turkey. I mean, my grand, great-grandma, she got older. You know, she, you know they become the, the, the generals, right? They're they start. They, they're the conductor in the kitchen. They're telling, you know, their, their daughter or their granddaughter or their great-grandkids what to do. He's like, oh, put that over there and put that over there. Give me the pie and give me, let me taste that and see what the, That's what the great-grandmas did. That's what my great-grandma did. She used everything. The, the turkey was made and then they would take the, the, the broth and they would make the gravy out of it They would carve the turkey up completely, uh, right down to the bone. You know, you get the wish, even you use the bones, even for a cultural thing. You'd pull the wishbone apart. Um, You know, some, I don't know if a lot of people do this. I don't have a dog, but a lot of people give their, give the big bones to their dog. I don't know if that's a thing, but I've seen people do that before. Like, they used, we've always used every part of the turkey. We've always used every part of the turkey. And we've always used... I mean, who are people buying containers of cranberry sauce, taking one scoop and throwing the rest out? No, you scrape everything out of the can. My great-grandma even saved the cans. I don't get why this is like a new thing. Make sure you save all the parts of the turkey. We've always done that. We've always used the broth for gravy. I mean, my favorite part when I used to eat this, my favorite part of the turkey, we used to make it with some vegetables, I loved the you know the parts the turkey other people didn't want to eat. I'd like part of the skin and you know get that that mixture of like seasonings and veggies and stuff that gets kind of pushed in the corner in the container like the, in the little roasting pan. That's what I wanted. I we didn't waste anything. My great grandma even saved the, the reusable pan or the non reusable pan the one that you're rather you the ones that you're supposed to like use once and throw out. She saved that. So what what are these people talking about? We've we've done this for for. My great grandma was born in like 1912. She's dead now, but she's did that for like she was 90 something when she died or 88, 90. Maybe it was like 90 something. I forget exactly when she was born, when she died, but she was like 90 something when she died. They've done this for like a 100 years. People have done this. This is not a new thing. They make this out to be about climate change. This is ludicrous. It's insane. Make half the food. Do with do more with less like we've always done that. And besides, it's not even about the environment. It's not about money. It's just about what's practical. Like you use the juices from the turkey because there's there's a lot of flavor. First of all, there's there's more nutrients in that juice. And then you mix that because of the nutrients, the vitamins and because of the flavor into the gravy and it makes the gravy better. That's just a common sense thing that has nothing to do with saving the planet or saving the environment. It's such a ridiculous thing. All right, here's the next recommendation. CNN gives you uh, the cook half the amount of food, uh, use less, don't dress your vegetables, uh, and don't scrap the scraps. Who is scrapping the scraps? We've always saved the scraps. I mean, some people would have scraps for like a late night snack on Thanksgiving, before they go to the Black Friday sales, the scraps, are like what was it like the, like the turkey, right? You make a turkey sandwich. Why? CNN acts like they're the arbiters of reality. Don't throw out your scraps. Okay, so let's see what they say. Some of this is like quotes from people. Uh, no waste innovations. No waste innovations. Use the carrot tops to make pesto. People have always done that. You know, uh, it says use the carrot tops to make pesto and uh, other types of products like Danish pancakes. I don't know what a Danish pancake is um, because you don't want to throw the carrot tops out. That could be, you know, a waste. So take the scraps that you would normally throw into a compost bin and use them in the food. Again, like the, the juice from the turkey, uh, people have always done this. Uh We've, I mean, I've used for a very long time the tops of carrots when I buy them with tops to make pesto or you steam them with some greens. I've always done that. There are certain things I throw out, like I don't like really brown avocados. I consider those to be bad. I throw them out, compost them, or I put them out in nature. You know, I I, I, I like you're not supposed to throw things out because of methane, but then you're not supposed to compost them because that's also a waste because you're not supposed to grow your own food, because that's an act of terrorism. But then you're, not, you're not, supposed, not supposed to put it out in nature because the avocados don't grow here. That's invasive. So what am I supposed to do with the scraps? Am I supposed to eat the rock-hard core of the avocado? I can't put it in the trash bag. I can't put it in the landfill. I can't put it in the compost bin. I can't put it out in nature. Where would these environmentalists like me to put the scraps? There's always going to be scraps. There are things that you're not going to eat, that animals aren't going to eat, that you're going to have to throw out and dispose of. Where would environmentalists, email me and tell me, where would environmentalists like me to place my leftovers? Because in the article from CNN, you're not supposed to throw it out. You're not supposed to compost it. You're not supposed to put it out in the woods. You're not supposed to, you know, to 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 uh, find a, a place to to dump these elsewhere. So what what are you supposed to do with them? It's like it's everything is this idealistic utopian uh, perception that you're supposed to be able to like you use everything, and if there are scraps, just will them to disappear. It doesn't make any sense. Here's another part of the CNN recommendation. Divide and conquer. Thanksgiving is one of the biggest grocery hauls of the year. And to minimize food waste, you'll want to first take stock of what you already have in your pantry and fridge before heading off to the market. Ludicrous. Thanksgiving might be the only time of the year outside of Christmas where people actually do take stock of what they have in their cupboards. I mean, this is what we've always done. We've always saved leftovers. We've always saved the scraps. We've always incorporated leftovers and scraps into other meals or into the Thanksgiving meal itself. And we've always checked what we have at home unless we just forget to check something. We always check what we have at home before we go buy Thanksgiving food. Because you have a very specific list of things you're making, a very specific list of ingredients, and then you check to see what you have and then you go out. But according to CNN, not only should you check to see what you have and then go out and buy what you don't have, you should only buy half of what you need because you got to save the planet. This is insane. We've always done the things they're telling us to do to save the planet. We just never did them because we wanted to save the planet. We did them because there wasn't the same level of abundance in 1915 as there is in 2015 or 2022. There's a lot more abundance now. People don't do things as conservatively because we have so much. We literally don't know what to do with it. Just it, insane. And then CNN with the with the advice, make it a group effort. Thanksgiving is always a group effort. I don't understand what these, and I'm only bringing up this article because this is like, this keeps popping up on my newsfeed. Life But Greener, Seen in Health, How to Have a Low-Waste, Climate-Friendly Thanksgiving Feast. And again, the list includes make half the amount of food you normally make, use less, you know, so don't dress your veggies, uh, because that'll save the planet. Make sure you don't throw out scraps, which we've always used to be part of the meal or for leftovers or for something else, and or we compost them, but they say don't compost them, don't throw them in the woods, and don't throw them in the trash. Where are they supposed to go? Are they supposed to magically disappear? And then they tell us make sure that you check what you have in stock before you go to the store. I mean, maybe people are this stupid that they need seen and to tell them how to how to prepare for Thanksgiving. I, I maybe they maybe they are. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm just I don't have the perspective on this level of, of ignorance and and, and stupidity. But what it sounds like CNN is trying to get you to do is to believe that the things that you've always done, you've actually not always done. But if you do do them, now you can do them not because they're remnants of traditions that were a necessity because people didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of, you know, uh, uh, of an ability to buy things or because it, it, you know, because they realized the practicality in it of using the juice from the turkey to make the gravy, We now need to do those things, not because of, you know, conserving food, not having money, or what's practical, but we need to do them all now because we're trying to save the planet. And this is basically like rewriting history, except it's rewriting tradition. That's what's happening. They're rewriting tradition. So, you know, you can maybe, if you have a great grandma, um, Or maybe your grandma remembers, you know, why would why would people traditionally do the types of things they would do in the kitchen with with the foods? Right. Uh, They would do them because this is what one, you know, their mom and dad and grandpa and grandma and great grandma and grandpa always did Two, they came from a completely different generation. uh, Maybe when they didn't have as much money and there weren't as many supermarkets And there wasn't as much availability. So you would make work what you had and make it stretch out and and last longer. Um, And then you continue that practice with your children and their children and so on because it's practical and because it's still, you know, it's still a a reasonable thing to do and it it makes sense. Um, And a lot of other reasons. The list could go on and on. And now those traditions, be them because of... um, A lack of availability, a lack of abundance, or a lack of money to be able to afford things. Those traditions and that history is being rewritten now. So now we should prevent waste, don't dress our veggies, use all of the scraps, and take stock of what we have before we go to the store. All that now should be done because of climate change. You see that this is a rewriting of not only tradition and a rewriting of history, it's a rewriting of our holidays, it's a rewriting of our festivities and our celebrations. So it's a rewriting of tradition, of history, and tradition, and our holidays, meaning that it ultimately is a rewriting of our culture. That's what they're attempting to do. They're trying to rewrite or rewire our cultural traditions to make us feel as if If you do the things you've always done, we're comfortable with them for whatever the reason. This is the tradition. But learn that those traditions are things you've actually never done. And you should do them, though, even though you've always done them, but you never did them. You should continue to do things that you've never done, but you should do them now because we told you to do them. Not because they were practical, not because of money, but because we're trying to rewrite tradition. We're trying to rewrite history. We're trying to rewrite culture. We're trying to rewrite the holidays. So they become a byproduct of a zealous religious like ideological cult that is obsessed over what they call green, quote unquote green. And I'm sure we've heard these things for the last couple of years. I'm sure you hear a lot of this during Christmas. Don't you know, don't buy a Christmas tree. That's um. that's damaging the planet. OK, instead get one of these overpriced plastic trees made by slaves in China and that, that'll that'll do you just as well. You know, y- y- you all know my opinions and my perspectives on these things, okay? I'm not a materialist, but there's enough wealth and enough abundance that if you want to be a materialist, I think you should go be a materialist. I don't like it when I see people obsessed with material things, but you know what? We have so much abundance At least someone is taking advantage of it. Abundance to me is having books and having knowledge and learning. I get an actual high when I learn. And there's really nothing else I can compare it to. But that's abundance to me. For me, abundance in food is having so much food I don't know what to do with it. And it's practical to not waste things that you pay for. This is like an economic Principle. Why would you waste things intentionally that you pay for? You don't want to do that, especially, you know, real, real cheap grandparents or people that grew up in times when money had to be stretched further and there wasn't as much abundance. So that's why that's probably usually why they're cheap. Like it was a practical thing. It's an economic thing. You don't waste it because you paid for it. That's like respecting the energy that went into making the money to buy the product in the first place. You don't waste it because it's it's economical it's logical okay we don't try to prevent waste we don't dress up our green beans we don't try to not waste or try to waste we don't try to not waste scraps is that, I think that's what I mean we don't we're not trying to waste scraps we're trying to prevent wasting of scraps we're trying to take stock of what we have before we go shopping not because of climate change but because this is the tradition this is the history this is the culture this is the holy day this has nothing to do with climate change it has nothing to do with the environment and you know, you, know, you now know my perspective on all of this. I think that if you want abundance in every way, shape, or form how you define it, have abundance. Work for that abundance. Whatever makes you happy, whatever you define success as. I have a different definition, perhaps, but that's my opinion. Likewise, I think we should refuse to be silent at the dinner table over certain issues. We shouldn't necessarily bring up controversial things intentionally, but if something comes up, discuss it. That's civility. Okay, Civility is or I should say, what is not civility is pretending like someone doesn't have a different point of view and someone doesn't feel left out because they can't talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, or they can't open their mouth because one person, flip this the other way, one person's going to be offended because everybody else wants to talk about something they don't like. Okay, be civil, be an adult, be be a reasonable human being, and if you can't handle the conversation, get out. Okay, that's... That's how I define family, okay? And biologics don't mean, very, don't mean very much. If you can't have a conversation, then get out. And that's not even me telling you to get out. That's like, if that's your choice to leave because you can't converse over something, you can't be civil about it, then leave. Good riddance to you. That's so horrible. Yeah, I know it's so horrible. Uncle, grandpa, sister, brother, I don't care. If you can't hold a conversation as an adult then you're not an adult you're a ch- you're you're worse than a child children can converse about things more controversial and complicated it's just ridiculous so those are these are some of the things i wanted to share with you tonight and particularly i wanted to f- share with you the thanksgiving green agenda from cnn because what this is really about like i said is rewriting tradition it's about rewriting history it's about rewriting culture and it's about rewiring Our holidays. So holidays and festivals we have, whether they're based on giving thanks or they're based on Jesus's birthday or they're based on this winter solstice or they're based on whatever. So they're not based on any of those things anymore, religious or otherwise. They're based all on the cult of climate. So we have Thanksgiving because of the climate. We have Christmas because of the climate. Which, ironically, is I mean, that's the reason you bring trees inside anyway, because you know the sun is going to come back out. It's good, things are going to grow again, come back to life, warmth, light, days, etc. So, everything that we celebrate can be turned into part of a cult like uh, festival. So, we're actually honoring and worshiping and celebrating these cult ideologies rather than. The things that we've always celebrated because, you know, that's that's the tradition, that's the history, that's the culture, that's the socializing, that's the civilization, the community, the holiday, etc. So there's a lot more that we could talk about in regard to uh, the origin of Thanksgiving and, and the history of turkeys and things like that. Tomorrow, though, I kind of want to do a show where we talk about um, the politically correct aspects of Thanksgiving in terms of like Indians or Native Americans and maybe we'll try to get into a little bit more of the of turkeys and harpist festivals, uh, the history of that tomorrow, uh, right here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings holiday Black Friday specials this week. $40 donations, PayPal or Cash App, which is the money sign, R.D. Gable, PayPal email, R.D. Gable at Yahoo.com. $20 gets you all four of my digital books. $40 gets you the whole yearly archive subscription for the show, the montages, the private RSS feed, and all four of my digital books. So it's a uh, as good of a deal as I can offer. I hope you go to the website, www.thesecretteachings.info and check it out. If you'd like to email me directly, you can use that PayPal email, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. Keep listening to The Secret Teachings and, of course, Ground Zero. Radio. And we'll be back tomorrow, November 23rd, 2022. With a look at some of the origins of um, harvest festivals, turkeys, and uh, a little bit of the Indian angle to Thanksgiving and the political correct aspects of uh, the celebration. Don't let them rewrite tradition. Don't let them rewrite history. Don't let them rewrite culture. Don't let them rewrite your holidays. They're about more than just climate change. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, as always, again and again and again. Don't be afraid, be informed, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast.